2: Gravity Leadership Podcast. Coming at ya. Here it is. That's Ben's uh, counter-alto voice. <laughs> and this Get is Matt the Tubby. Ukulele again. And today, oh, okay. Yeah. All you gotta Why do not? is just give a little hint of, of music, and Ben grabs the ooh, ukulele ooh, off, ooh. The, off the back wall. Hey, today, we have Tracy Rhodes, uh, not all who wonder are, not all who spiritually wonder are lost. Uh, and you will enjoy this interview. I think uh, you will, or else. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded so uh, threatening, ominous. Yeah, like, yeah. Ominous. Oh, what if? What if
3: I don't enjoy
2: it? I think what struck me about this interview, uh, Tracy presses against the sectarian siloing of mm. Christians into sort of camps. And one of the things she's done and continues to do, even as I follow her on social media, is she she is. Actively seeking to appreciate and celebrate the best about mm. each and every Christian tradition, mm. and rather than then ranking them or deciding, <laughs> you know, who's got it right yeah. or um, dunking on the people that get it wrong, she she really is, I think, carving out. I know this phrase comes with some some baggage, but she's carving out a generous orthodoxy that that includes. Uh, much more than I think many Mm. of us, um, many of our churches and many of our traditions include. Yeah. And so this interview is full of that and her book is full of that.
3: Yes. So get ready. There's the four and the five.
2: Oh, good. And then the one. Oh. Not all. Everything's resolved. Isn't that nice? Everything's resolved now. Everything's resolved. Let Tracy and, then uh, resolve friends, all your theological <laughs> questions, <laughs> the way that Ben resolved. Right. Actually, all she your might do the opposite. Symphonic She's, questions.
3: Yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh, all yeah. Right. She might create some. Issues. Uh, yes, friends, enjoy this interview, where she doesn't actually resolve all of your theological questions, but uh, lets you maybe be mm-hmm. resolved in the fact that they're not all answered one hundred percent. Maybe there is a resolution in the in the on resolution
2: she keeps you stuck on the four instead of going <laughs> yeah, down yeah. to the one. Oh, and that's it that's what we're just going to stay there and then we'll go right hope in. and possibility and-, <laughs>
3: <laughs> and who knows who, who right.
2: knows what else
3: all right well uh yeah we're thankful for uh, to tracy for uh spending some time with us enjoy this interview
2: Tracy Rhodes, welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes, we recently finished up a series uh, about people who are whose faith is changing, or people who feel like they're losing their faith, or people who feel like their faith is maturing. We called it, uh, you know, a series on deconstruction and reconstruction of faith. And you've written a book that we want to chat with you about today. Not all who wonder are spiritually. Lost. It's sort of a memoir of your life and other people's lives about how their faith matures and grows and changes over time. I'm excited to chat with you about this, but first, Tracy, would you let our listeners know who you are, uh, where you're from, what you spend your time doing? Sure.
4: Um, My home now is in Michigan. I live in a small town um, here in Michigan and live on some property outside of that. Um, I also grew up in rural Missouri, so I kind of say that I'm living a very similar life, just moved to a different state. Um, Mm. my husband and I have one daughter and we have 12 pigs and nine chickens and two dogs, three kittens, and, um, we're helping out three ducks that, that don't have a mama right now. So, um, yeah it keeps <laughs> keeps us busy. Uh, springtime in particular is always an adventure on the farm. Um, but hmm. in two thousand and fourteen, I started a blog called Traces of Faith and have been writing there um, pretty consistently for about six years now. And hmm. what I what my book topic, um, turned out to be actually came about from various blog posts and uh, interaction with the readers and social media as that blog continued to grow. So yeah. that's that's kind of where I've honed in now. Um, love talking church, love talking about um, Christianity in a big, big picture kind of way. And so that's how I spend a lot of my days now.
2: That's awesome. You You also, I just want to give a shout out. You also have a rooster. That uh, <laughs> yeah, will make it, yeah. will make himself known at probably probably at some point in this interview. Yeah,
4: yeah. You know, I always thought that they only did that like at sunrise to wake people up at like four in the morning. They do it all day long. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a fallacy. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, Tracy, learn on talk, the farm. Yeah, let's chat about your book a bit. Uh, why did you you mentioned your blog? And I'm I'm I would surmise that perhaps this book kind of took shape or form as you blogged about your own experiences and heard about other people's. Is that right? Why why did you write this book?
4: Yes. uh, As I mentioned, I started um, Traces of Faith in 2014. And in 2015, I went back to look um, when the book was published. I visited my first Ash Wednesday service. Um, Hmm. I grew up Southern Baptist. I currently attend a Reformed church. So Catholicism is um, still very new to me as I uh, learn about it. And was curious what um, an Ash Wednesday service was like. I did find out that um, that was something that I could fully participate in. That they would um, give a non-Catholic the ashes just like they would um, a Catholic. And so I wrote about that experience, um, and it it was received well. And then it just kind of became um, almost a partnership, a passion of mine, but also something that my readership. Um, Really responded to well, and so it grew from there. Um, I have mm-hmm. a series of probably six or seven articles on the blog that are called "My Sunday with the Anglicans, the Quakers, the Lutherans, the Methodists," um, mm-hmm. and so just this overall exploration of um, a Christianity that I I really didn't know very well. I grew up in the church, and so I knew my own um, background, uh, but I didn't I didn't know the the church as a whole. And I didn't know church history. I didn't know several spiritual practices that I've since learned about. Um, So it just became a really exciting journey. Um, Mm. And my readers uh, not only um, read what I wrote and affirmed it, but then they would also say, Oh, how interesting. I'm a Lutheran and it's interesting to me that you perceive it that way. And then, then they would share their own stories and it just became Mm. this um, community you know, I often say, uh, I, I I don't feel like I necessarily write to someone. I feel like I start conversations um, that I'm a yeah. part of, that other people have. Uh, and I, li- I like that space. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's a generative space. It's a collaborative space. It's like a space of mutual respect and learning rather than, Listen up! I have something to say. Very um, much. <laughs> yeah, Tracy. So you you mentioned a bit like you grew up in the Southern Baptist Church uh, Convention. I'm sorry, Southern Baptist Convention. And now yeah. you are in a Reformed Church. Like, tell us a bit about. You know gr- what, what was it like growing up in the SBC, and when did you? How did you start to think maybe I maybe I need to look at a different tradition?
4: My years um, in the Southern Baptist Church, I started in a small country church, um, about 60, 75 people on a Sunday, and then moved into what I call the church in town, um, upwards Mm. of 300, 400 (laughs) people. Um, And both were very good experiences. They weren't perfect. Um, The country church that I had, that I attended, had trouble keeping a pastor um, we would switch pastors about every four years. There would be um some kind of a conflict. And so when we moved to the um church in town, it was refreshing. It, it was a gentleman who had been there for I want to say 20 some years, if not 30. He was a longtime pastor. Um, the Southern Baptist tradition gave me a solid foundation in the hymns, in Bible study um, in Sunday school teaching. Uh, I I have very fond memories and honestly didn't go looking for anything else. Um, I I share uh, that story in the book. Um, it kind of happened upon me. Um, when I was, I was living in St. Louis at the time and I was single and attended a couple different Baptist churches, good experiences, but I never felt that, um, real connection that I wanted from a church family. And so I actually started attending a Presbyterian church because they had a good singles group. (laughs) That's my (laughs) theologically wise Um, decision-making. And and it was interesting, you know, to, to see, wow, that's familiar church to me. And this is a little different. Um, I remember oftentimes they would talk about going and meeting up for a, a beer to discuss theology and we didn't really do that in the Southern Baptist Church. And so um, just little, little things like that that I noted. Um, and then when I moved to Michigan after I got married, uh, I, I know now there are a few Southern Baptist churches, but they're by and far um, very rare. And the Baptist churches up here are more often independent Um, the ones we visited just weren't a fit for our family, not for any particular reason. Just, um, you know, my husband likes kind of more of a laid back church environment. And so we found that, um, and only after we found that, did I discover it was reformed. So then I had to learn about Mm. this whole other tradition that was um, new to me in Missouri. I didn't hear that word. Um, Presbyterian, Mm. I guess is a a cousin of that reformed concept. Um, and so I knew of that, but yeah, I can't say it was any um, very thoughtful process of, you know, dissecting my theology and deciding where, where I fit. It was more where life took me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, And it sounds like there were relationships that drew you into tradition rather than doctrinal statements or theological commitments that drew you in tradition. Am I hearing you right?
4: Absolutely. And now that I'm much more interested in theology and do a ton more reading, um, have learned these different mm. stories from individuals I interact with on social media and in person, I do think to myself sometimes, where do I theologically fit?
0: Yeah. And I
4: don't, <laughs> um, I, I don't know if it's because I'm such a, um, such a learner. I have such a curious mind. Um, mm. I, if, you know if you were to share your stories with me um, about your theology and where you think you fit, I, I would walk right alongside you with that and I would be like mm. I can see that you know like um, yeah. it, an example I again um, did not know much about the Catholic faith and someone shared with me a YouTube video of a priest who who breaks down what Catholics believe and mm-hmm. he in this particular um, YouTube clip, show explained the Bible verses where they get, um, their idea of a priest and, uh, and then a, um, presiding governance and a Pope and what have you. And I listened to it and I'm like, I can see from those scriptures where you're coming from. You know, I, I still don't obviously, you know, um, I'm not jumping in on the Catholic church and, um, Thinking that I need to have you know a pope presiding over my tradition, but I can see it, you know, and, and I think that's um, that's where my journey has taken me. I still um, I still hold to some doctrines myself um, as I, as I read scripture and as um, I study the Bible and read um, other commentaries, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I have a very open mind um, to the fact that other churches, other denominations, other traditions have landed somewhere differently yeah. in reading the same yeah. Bible.
3: Yeah. That's, that strikes me as, uh, you know, it's a very generous kind of way of thinking about, uh, things where I think a lot of times, and a, a lot of times this, this is, you mentioned this earlier, um, Tracy, but, um, that you didn't go looking for deconstruction. Like you didn't, you didn't go out there and say, how can I stick it to the SBC? You know, like, <laughs> how, how can I prove that these people are wrong? It, it was just this journey where things happen to you, and it it brings about this need to rethink faith. Um, and I, I, I think that's something that sometimes uh, people don't understand about deconstruction is just, it, it, it's foisted upon us oftentimes through life circumstances and just a need to kind of uh, rethink things. But I'm just struck by, I guess, I don't I'm trying to see if there's a question in this and I don't know if there is, but I'm just struck by the generosity of spirit that has emerged for you uh, out of this, that, that it's like, Oh, I could see how that, you know, I could see how you could get there. Um, I may not be there, but there's, there's a way of holding belief um, that feels like that's part of the journey for you is a way of holding a doctrine, a way of holding a belief that isn't um, strident and doesn't need to like prove anybody else wrong that makes sense
4: yes yeah i i often um think back on where my faith was 10 20 years ago and i feel as if i used to think if i would study scripture enough if i could read enough bible um passages Mm. i would i would find the right answer you know right right was um within my grasp um and what i discovered is that God's within my grasp, not fully. Mm. He's, he's a big mystery. Um, right. but all of this, uh, considering other, um, theological opinions and learning about all of these traditions and, and, yeah. you know, I, I referred earlier to all of the spiritual practices that I'm learning. They give yeah. me more of God. Mm-hmm. And that's such an interesting <clears throat> place to be in because I think a lot of times we hold on to, we want right teaching because it's safe sure, and it's comfortable. Um, and sure. you know, I, I look back on uh, the Southern Baptist tradition. I remember um, when I joined the reformed church, uh, I hear so much about the consistory um, if you've seen John Grisham's The Firm, I often say it reminds me of that. You know, the consistory approves <laughs> of this. They, it, it's a very big thing in the Reformed tradition, or at least in my okay. experience. And that consistory consists of the deacons and the elders of the church. Okay. And elders was a new concept to me. I wasn't um, familiar with that term. And so finally, I asked a friend of mine who it um, was a pastor within the Southern Baptist tradition what. Why don't elders show up there? And I learned that in their um, teaching, elders are the pastor. Uh, there's yeah. there's one elder over the church. Right. And yeah. every year, whenever I read those passages, I, I read the Bible through each year. And every year when I read those passages, I try to think of it from, oh, a reform perspective. Okay, It kind of sounds like there's, you know, multiple elders, and they hold a different role. Mm-hmm. Oh, the son of Baptist perspective, mm-hmm. it sounds like, um, An elder could be one individual, a pastor, a leader of a church. And I hold them both. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Maybe um, I stopped trying to figure out which one was right, I guess. Um, And just, just have more of an opinion of, yeah, because you know what? No one's right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. No one has this hundred percent right. And so if your faith um, can have you in a place where, Oh, I could consider that, and I could consider that. And we both love Jesus, and he's our yeah. our Lord, and we mm-hmm. both um, all subscribe to the same gospel. I think gospels, a yeah. bit, that's a word I'm really exploring right now. Um,
3: yeah. yeah. Then,
4: then yeah, I, I think there's room for us. I think.
1: We've worked really hard to make this training in missional leadership practical and doable. To find out more about Gravity Leadership Academy, visit gravityleadership.com slash academy.
2: Yeah, it strikes me, Tracy, as you're talking that uh, you're you're naming something that I think people crave. Uh, A lot of the people we chat with kind of grow up with a real sort of bounded set kind of holding on to my belief as God, sort of faith, so that Mm -hmm. um, I'm Presbyterian and the Westminster Confession is, you know, the mountaintop, and anybody who's not on the mountaintop here with me, including the Reformed Church or the SBC or the Catholics, like, we got to save them, or I can't fellowship with them. And you're naming some kind of um, agility, some kind of generosity, some kind of um, non-anxious... Uh, handling of a diversity of accounts of who, like how to be with God
0: mm-hmm. and
2: worship or, or or church, that I think a lot of people long for, but they find in their body they just keep making sort of like they just replace one heretical group and then they change tribes and now they have other heretics that they want to like. Do you know how? Do you know how you had developed this posture or this way of seeing these other groups? Do, do you remember? shifting from kind of, uh, othering Christian groups to appreciating Christian groups?
4: Yeah, it's been a very gradual process. Um, you know, the Bible verse, uh, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I think on Mm. that verse a lot because, um, Mm. I, I want to be doctrinally sound. I want to be, um, faithful, uh, to, yep. to the, um, theology that Christ offers to mm-hmm. us. But, um, uh, over time, I, another, um, example, I was listening to a podcast and it was a, it, it's a guy on YouTube again, and he, um, was way smarter than me. Oh gosh. They so often, <laughs> they're so often smarter than me. Mm-hmm. Um, And he was talking about uh, transubstantiation and that that idea of when you take communion, does it actually become the body and blood of Christ or is it symbolic or, you know, and and different traditions land in different places. And what he was pointing out is that if you go back into church history and if you read about the different um, early church fathers' opinions on that, we are a lot closer in our original belief of what communion actually meant, than we ever realized, and so now, mm-hmm. whenever I hear those arguments, I think, yeah, I guess it's the more you learn, you know, and the more you, the more you realize um, that these conversations have been had. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that you know, yeah. I just read Solomon this morning. There's nothing new under the sun. Um, Mm -hmm. you hold it all more loosely because, um, the things, the essential things, like, like I said, the the gospel, um, the fact that Jesus is our Lord, those things become so much more important because we've been talking about all of the other things for a very, very long time. Hmm. And to go, to go back to your question, I, it, it was very gradual for me. And it's not to say that fear never shows up. Um, you know, a, a fear that I'm uh, not honoring the tradition that I have chosen or a fear that, you know, I might um, yeah. lead an individual astray. But I had a, I had a um, friend ask me one time, what, what is your, um, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the word. What is your uh, meter? You know, how do you, how do you decide what is, mm-hmm. um, what is true and what is not? And yeah. I think we can um, rely on the Holy Spirit a lot more than we do. Um, I think he offers a lot of discernment um, if we're willing to uh, to seek him on that. Um, and then where where do you stand with Christ? Um, you know, what, what role does he play in your theology? Um, and if you're looking at those things, uh, I, I think you can hold the rest with more of an open hand.
0: Yeah
2: yeah I, Tracy it strikes me that what you're describing is um really hard to teach <laughs> so yeah. it's like hard to put that in an outline and then and then sit somebody through a class and then somebody to sort of just embody that but there's some kind of relational spiritual emotional uh, existential even sort of journey you have to go on to become the kind of person who holds difference and holds mm-hmm. truth mm-hmm. the way you are um, I, I'm curious as as you listen to these stories and your book is like a memoir a bit but it's a it's a it's almost a communal memoir so you share these stories of different people and their wanderings is there anything that you would point to to say you know not all who wonder uh, are spiritually lost the I guess maybe the, the truth in parentheses under that is, but some are, you know? Mm. <laughs> um, and I, I wonder, could you tease out for us or name for us, describe for us, wh- what are some of the commonalities of the stories you've heard of people who wonder that that don't get lost? Maybe that wander in a holy way. Um, and how would that be then distinct from the people who do wonder and do get lost?
4: Mm. Sure. Um I think there, I I didn't wander until I had a very firm foundation, if you will. Um, I think that's really important, um, to have Christ as your solid rock (laughs) and then, um, you know, explore from, for him or explore with him. Um, I, the verse in Ephesians that says God is more than we could ever ask or imagine. I think on that a lot too, um, you have to know him initially first, but then how, how much bigger is he? You know, um, as Mm -hmm. I was writing the book, a lot of the individuals who I thought of while I was writing were Mm -hmm. people who had always been one tradition or people who were taught like me, Catholics don't have it right. They worship Mary and they, um, you know, get drunk the Knights of Columbus hall. Those are the two things that I thought were prominently Catholic. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And so, on that foundation um, uh, of Jesus, that's where I explored from there. Um, so I guess in that sense, you could say um, I was already not lost um, with using a, using a technical term, amazing grace. Right. Um, I, w- I was found already in a sense, but then the wandering um, w- was okay because, because I had Jesus as my, as my mm-hmm. base. Um, and, mm. and I give a lot of thought to um, the, the lost in, in the term that you're referring to. And it's so hard to know um, yeah. what what one's salvation experience is, where, where one stands um, with mm. Jesus. And so what I try yeah. to do is create a situation where regardless of, um, lost and seeking or, um, found and seeking, we can move toward him together. Um, I think very, very much, um, everything I offer on social media in my writing, um, should point to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so then whether you're lost or found, it's about Jesus. It's still pointing that path to Jesus.
3: Yeah. So I I hear you naming there. I mean one one of the it's kind of a uh I don't know if it's a philosophical concept but um bounded set versus centered set. Um I don't know if you've heard of that Tracy but um I hear you naming like one of the one of the keys to the posture that you've been able to embrace is that it matters less whether you're inside or outside of the boundary line and where the boundary line is drawn and it matters more where you're oriented. Where are you headed? Where are you aimed? and um, that's a more important question than the question of where's the boundary and are you in or out it's more of a i want to draw people towards jesus uh and i want to point toward i want to stay pointed towards jesus myself and anybody who's on that journey with me i consider a friend you know if you're wanting to move towards jesus together then then I, then I think we can, you know, I think we can journey together, and the the question of where is the boundary line becomes less and less important. Hmm.
4: I think I think that's very good. Yes. Um, yeah,
3: okay. Great.
4: Yeah, because um, a- at the end of the day, I don't want you to know about a certain tradition. I don't want you to know about a certain, right. certain spiritual practice. I want you to know how all of those things give you more of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's in my book a lot more mm-hmm. and more mm-hmm. of Jesus. You know, how do we, how do we find that together? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a lot of the, um, the, the feedback that I've gotten, you know, I mean, nothing thrills me more than for people to, uh, to write me or, um, talk to me and say, um, two things. You made me think it's good. Mm. Think about our faith. Um, and number two, I want to try a new, um, spiritual practice, a new service, a new, um, Mm. A conversation with with a tradition that I haven't experienced um, because yeah. of something that you have said or written. Great compliment.
3: Yes, yes, that's huge. And that's really great.
4: When it, you know, we added the. Um, I think there are sixteen. I always, I've said the number wrong a hundred times. I think there are sixteen <laughs> individuals other than me who have shared church stories in my book. And we added those a little later in the process. And I'm so, so glad we did because mm. as you read those, and here's the common ground. I remember reading um, my friend Phoebe, who's towards the end of the book. I read um, some of her blog and then her essay that she shared in my book. And I thought, I recognize church. Like they're mm. so, she's orthodox i know zero right i didn't even know that Mm -hmm. there was an orthodox tradition until i was probably in my mid 30s um and so so much of it is um unique and different to me things that i don't necessarily um understand but so much of it was church you know the the Mm -hmm. family um of believers that you're trying to get along with the uh um Mm -hmm. every sunday um you know, little things that happen that she would share about the fact that Phoebe has um, three young children. And I want to say that they're, um, she wrote a guest post for me one time on the blog and it was on her Good Friday service. And if I remember correctly, they're in church for nine hours and I mentioned that she has three young ones. (laughs) So, um, you know, and that's, that's the case with all of these um, stories. They all had an element of church that I think we all recognize Um, And Mm. and so that's what we were uh, celebrating. A couple um, people have mentioned that to them, this is this book is a love story to the church. And I love that. You Mm. know, I I really like that idea of um, offering something that could be um, a church experience. Uh. Everyone could relate to and everyone could continue seeking.
3: Yes.
2: Yeah. You know, that's, that's (laughs) interesting that uh, I think that's, maybe you know your book wondering becomes a metaphor almost for seeking um, in the sense that the wondering isn't sort of willy-nilly or uh, because I'm bored or because I um, fidgety you know or uh, because I don't know where to go but uh, the way you use the metaphor wondering is is I think a synonym for seeking pursuing mm-hmm. and 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 never becoming sort of complacent or stale in thinking I've got God or I've got Jesus figured out. Uh, and go. so your, your book does such a great job celebrating like this pursuit that is not sectarian, like a pursuit that is um, generous and humble and seeking the wealth and the treasure of, of all the Christian traditions, not so I can— sort of put them on and like colonize them or like, you know, uh, take what I like and what I don't, but so I can submit myself to the beauty that's inherent in them. So so Tracy, thank you. Yeah. Well, you wrote the book. (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, uh,
4: I want to tag on that just real quick. Um, I had a a friend locally when she bought the book and she read the first chapter or two and she said, I think it could also be called not all who wonder W O N D E R. Yes spiritually are lost. And I thought that's so good too. Like you said, seeking it, it it's, um, it's a wonderful, yeah. wondrous thing to me um, to see how mm-hmm. big and vast the church is. So yeah, I like
3: that. Yeah. Yes.
2: yeah. That's, that's, that's beautiful. Cause that then puts words to what I see you doing in this book is it's not, um, I know what the Catholics have wrong and I'm <laughs> going to go to their church and let them know, but it's, I wonder what the Catholics know and see that I, I don't. Mm. Um, Amen. Yeah. And I wonder, yeah. how, I wonder how that enhances, or that feeds, or even um, reforms, uh, to use your tradition, how that reforms yeah. my my vision of Jesus and helps me pursue Him better. Yes. So, Tracy, thank you for this book. Uh, thank you for being so vulnerable in your in your journey and your seeking, your wondering. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm really glad that all these people were gave permission to share their stories too, because it's yeah, so we find our stories in their stories, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: so so <laughs> thank you. If, if, yep. if people want to, to get your book or connect with you, how would they do that?
4: Um, well, you can find me, um, online. My blog is tracesoffaith.com. Uh, variations of that, um, are where I am, um, on social media, uh, Facebook and Pinterest. I'm traces of faith blog and Twitter, and instagram i'm traces of faith and the book is available wherever books are sold it's on amazon um, my mm-hmm. publisher is publishing um mm-hmm. and okay. you can find it uh yeah i know a lot of people have ordered it from their local bookstores as well so readily available yes. Great.
2: yep not Great. all who wonder are spiritually lost by tracy rhodes tracy thanks for spending time with us today and uh, yeah. we'll let you get back to your dozens of animals.
3: Yes.
4: <laughs> All right. Thank you again for having me. I enjoyed it.
3: Yeah. Yes. Pete.
1: Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke, Matt Tebby, and Ben Hardman. Aaron Sternke does our mixing and mastering. You can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. If you find our podcast helpful, share it with your friends in person and on social media. And don't forget to rate and review us online as well as subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join our Gravity community for free at gravityleadership.com join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com join. And hey, we'd love to hear from you ask a question, make a comment, send us an idea, a recommendation, recipe, whatever. You can email us at podcast at Catch you next time.